It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. An instant reaction and Chicago Marathon delayed reaction podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, normal co-host Gordon Mack. He's out on the scene in Boston, but joining me, former FlowTrack employee, current resident of some state in the Midwest. I don't know. He's always hopping around. It's Alex Lord. I'm happy to be here. I'm actually in Minnesota right now, which showed up today. I don't know if you you picked up on that, but uh, there's some grandma grandma's marathon flexing out there. And, uh, you know, obviously, Kara Goucher is the person, perfect person to, to, to press the roof up on that. So happy to join you and uh, happy to chat about uh, Boston Marathon, which is very close to my heart, uh, which I've started three times and finished twice. So that's as much detail mm. as I'm going to give about my personal athletic <laughs> performance because nobody cares. Well, let's see. Hold on. There's a there's a tie in here because there was a person in this race who started very aggressively, who probably many people out there were wondering if they would get to the finish line today in CJ Albertson. Uh, hey, let me just go on record here. Like when this race started, I was feeling this strange, like anti CJ sentiment from people and like which was very confusing to me, right? Like, I don't know why there was any, like, there's this, like, disdain for people going out hot. Like, honestly, the dude still finished. If he finished the way he did, and, like, he ended up, what, top 10? Almost top 10? We would be, like, cheering and rooting for him, like, even if he wasn't leading, right? So, like, let's say that CJ wasn't in our screens the entire race, but we found out afterwards that he finished top 11, we'd be like, wow, CJ Albertson, amazing, good for him. But there's this weird, like, woulda, coulda, shoulda sentiment that I was, I, I was seeing yeah, online yeah. a little bit. And overall, I loved it. I loved it. The dude hammered, he felt good. And like, there's a scenario where like, he could have won this race, maybe. But honestly, I applaud him for being gutsy and bold. And like, that is exactly what I was hoping to see on the day. Uh, it was brutal, it was beautiful. Uh, it was refreshing to see, and I applaud him for taking a shot. Well, I don't think he could have won it, but I think he could have probably finished higher. But you're right. Who cares? Yeah. He made it entertaining. His race was six races in one. He goes out, Alex, 14.29 for the first 5K, builds up a two-minute lead. Then we were texting throughout the race because usually when you have a big a, a group that's chasing one person, eventually they start to thin out themselves. The chase pack starts to thin out themselves because they're pressing the gas pedal down. But that wasn't the case. There were still 15 guys right there. So I texted you, I said, what's the quickest someone's ever moved from first to 16th place after the 30K mark in a marathon? Because I think CJ Albertson's about to make history, but then he gets passed, but then he still hangs on. He hangs on and you're right, a respectable race, not, doesn't finish as a top American. Uh, Colin Benny gets that honor, solid run. From him but albertson i i you know gave this race something to watch in the first half you know when you have someone like uh, benson kipruto who drops a 429 and a 425 back to back on his way to a 1406 5k there's not much you can do with that but you know, cj no. gave it a whirl gave it a whirl he, he gave it his best he gave it his best shot out there did he overcook it a bit yeah 
but it's not as if he completely cratered and then DNF'd because he had every reason to getting passed by that many people with still that much time left. Yeah, he absolutely could have stepped off the course. And I and I wouldn't have been like, I think there was probably some people who thought he might, but he did. I mean, he responded twice. Twice he was in the hurt locker, got gapped hard, responded, and then came back. And he, even in the home stretch, he still had, he had, like, was still pressing on the gas a little bit. So kudos to CJ Albertson. He takes a different path, right? He, he's like, he's a little off the radar. He's not part of some sexy brand group, right? He's just like, throwing down bizarre workouts. If you haven't looked at his Strava, please do. It's all over the place. It's extremely entertaining. He's posting like training videos of him, like doing treadmill runs on Peloton. I think all the Peloton <laughs> trainers that get their weird thumbnail avatar posted on Strava should pay it back to CJ today. And they should post pictures of him. He deserved it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the, he's an online favorite, I think. And listen, he's the indoor marathon world record holder. He's the 50 K world record holder. He's the treadmill world record holder, 209 on a treadmill. He was going to try something out of the box because everything he does is is a bit out of the box. I think you got to ask yourself, hey, if I'm going to finish anywhere from the 6th to 15th spot, why not just go for it? Why not just go for it? If I'm going to finish in right. this range, why not j just try to, try to mix it up? And I think his thought was, hey, maybe I can catch this group napping, right? They don't, they don't respect me because i'm so under the radar maybe i can get a little bit of an advantage off that now was the first 5k a bit too hot and maybe if he went out fast but not that fast would there have been more left at the end perhaps perhaps and maybe he could have been the top american but again i don't think he's going to beat kiprutu um regardless of what he does so this was this was him this was him taking a big swing what did you think of the the pack's response or lack of response to him for as long as they did i mean honestly i think they were there was moments where i was like dude they're gonna leave this too late i mean there mm -hmm. the gap was so big where it was like and i think i'll give props to david monty he tweeted out like there was a moment where it was like they would have to run like 10 seconds faster than him for the next six miles to catch him or something like it was like something yeah. crazy like for for a second it was like wait the math is starting to work against these guys um, and they, uh, they legitimately almost left it too late. I wondered, and I even texted you. I'm like, what are they waiting for? Somebody's got yeah. to go soon. And even when they did catch him, I was actually surprised how, like, they caught him. But then I was, like, really waiting for somebody to put the gas on right there, right? Right when they mm -hmm. kind of got mm -hmm. over Heartbreak Hill, I was waiting yeah. for a bigger move to be made. Like you said, there were still, like, 16 guys there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, they really weren't that aggressive and there was a moment where if you were doing the math like there was there was a there was a world in which he put he would have put too much gap on those guys early in the race but that being said like cj like once he got to that 5k mark or maybe it was even the two mile mark he was probably in a place where it was like look i like what do you do in that moment you have such yeah, a gap yeah. and it's either like yeah. you put your put and you push your poker chips in right and go all in yeah. But it's like, what is he going to do? Shut it down and run like a six minute mile, like two six minute miles and then get eaten up and then run the rest of the race with them? Or do you yeah. just like, yeah, again, go all in. And he went all in and I appreciate him for it. And, you know, he, he'll go down and in, in, in running lore uh, yeah. <laughs> boards, boards for a while. So props to him. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's a great point because once you commit, you you commit. And there were some I saw some comparisons to Yuki in 18 going. Mm 
really hard from the gun. The difference was Yuki was doing that in a monsoon. So the entire pack <laughs> fell, fell apart behind him and he's Yuki Kauchi. So he takes CJ Albertson's crazy race uh, strategies and like dials them up to 15 basically. So he was ready for everything, but you know, Yuki's strategy in 18, I remember talking to, to his manager afterwards is just like, Hey, the conditions are horrible. We're going to make this unpleasant as possible. And we're going to make this a full 26.2. We're not going to chill for half of it and let Rupp or career or anybody else hang around. The difference was, I think the weather was relatively, I mean, compared to 18, it was perfect. And, and you have 15 guys, the way they ran that Alex, just in general, was just, they all were very confident, right? It just exuded confidence. And, you know, Kiprutu, most people probably don't know a ton about him because he's a 205 guy and there's a lot of 205 guys in the world right now but he won he won Prague this year he ran 210 and he was seventh in london last year no reason to go in hey this is the favorite this is the guy that everybody's going to be be chasing but the fact that he didn't like pass albertson and then immediately go full gas led me to believe he was just real confident he's like i'm gonna do this on my terms okay we passed this guy who's out real fast now i got this other group to contend with i'm going to whittle that thing down and then and then go go from there so yeah this race didn't have many big names in it like from internationally especially on the the, the men's side of things like well you know you had decisa out there who had obviously just he's solid been solid for years but there was no clear hey this person is a superstar this person's a favorite we're all going to defer to them maybe there was a little bit of that but once kiprutu went a 14-0, man. <laughs> 14-0, 5K in the back half. That's nuts. Brutal. It's moving. Dude, I couldn't, I mean, I could not believe how quickly he gapped them. Um, and and I, I, I use this term during our during our conversation, Sully, but there was moments when I think CJ maybe had wished he wasn't wearing neon because it was neon blood in the water the whole time. And because once you catch that little, once you go around that bend and you catch that, you know, you can see there's a, there's like a police barricade or there's a police escort. You can see the time clock and then that neon kit. Like once they saw that, I mean, they just reeled him, reeled him, reeled him in. But then, man, I mean, to pour the gas on like Capruto did, I could not believe how quickly he gapped them. I mean, to throw down, <laughs> be able to throw down like 420s at the end of a Boston is insane. Yeah. And nobody was even close like nobody even tried to cover the move i'm actually i that's actually maybe what i was most surprised about over the last few miles is i felt like no one was even trying to cover that move and then yeah. when they showed the camera angle when they um mm -hmm. when they finally turned back onto boylston i was like wait they're not that far behind him they left that mm -hmm. move too late i think there was somebody in that top four pack that if they would have mm -hmm. like responded earlier we could have had a tighter race down the home stretch mm -hmm. no i i agree Burhanu was second he was 46 seconds back yamir who had run one marathon previous but dnf but is a 58 a recent 58 minute half marathon guy i thought hey this maybe this is playing into his hands a little bit here with the slow start and then ayano was 56 seconds back if you look at the splits alex like kiprutu and albertson basically ran reverses like the races were opposite of each other right because he had yeah. a two minute 13 second lead at halfway and then the gap from kiprutu to albertson at the finish was was 153 so wow. hold on a little bit better but so basically 
Albertson was what 104. He sets his half marathon PB at halfway. He goes 104 and then a 106 and change or something. And Kiprutu does 106 and then closes in 104 there. So wow. they just went the other direction. And, and you called this out during the race to me. It's like when there's guys in a pack that can run 58 for half, right? Like yeah. what that does to your strategy on the upfront, it just like, it's a total mind shift, right? Because fi- I mean, 58, mm-hmm. 59 is like, that is so, I mean, so fast. And especially in a race like Boston, where things start to roll downhill towards the end, like what is your race strategy going to be? Like, I mean, if you really, the more we talk about it, the more actually it made sense for CJ to, to, to like try to put the gap in at first. Because again, if you have a 58 guy, if you're, you're not going to hang with him on the back half of the race, right? So like, let's say right, CJ is right. like on the heels of one of these dudes who can run sub 60 for the half. Like you're going to, you're going to watch their backside and you're, they're just going to drift away from you over the final miles. Yeah. Like, putting a big gap on them may have been the only real strategy that an American had to win today. And he tried it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at that mile 21 when he went from, he was 20 some odd seconds up to six seconds down in the span of a mile. And you think, okay, this is going to be ugly. Like the, he's going to trip out of the top 20 and somehow he was able to rally. And maybe it was just the presence of, of other folks around him that, that pulled him along. I want to ask you, what'd you think of, of Colin Benny here? Top American, uh, another good marathon for Benny. So he, he finishes in seventh place two eleven twenty six. He ran Marathon Project last year, got third in 209. That's coming off his 212 at the Olympic Trials where he got ninth. Gordon and I were talking last week about just like the gap between Rupp and everybody else. And we'll get to Rupp a little later on. Obviously, you got to factor in, you know, Martin Hare out there who's been running really well as well too. But I don't know, is Benny, do you think, making a move for that that coveted second second, third slot right now in the United States? Well, I think he's like, if we had a list of things like of, of check marks to like get somebody to the next level of like elite distance running, he actually, he absolutely hit that today. Right. Like a huge one because he was in a major marathon. He was super, super patient the whole race in a, in, and he was totally at the whim of other athletes strategies. Right. So it's like, it's a completely, it was a completely different dynamic than maybe like the marathon project, right? Where we're like, everybody yeah. was aware of each other and like everyone had the same, basically the same strat, right? They're just going to hammer and try yeah. to like run a really fast time where today he like, he had to react, react, react. Right. And I think mm-hmm. being able to react like that in a major marathon, like that's no joke, right? Like that was mm-hmm. not a mm-hmm. fluke. He, he hung onto those guys, which we mentioned a couple of 58 half marathoners in there. And he was like, he was just answering all their moves. So huge check mark for him i think you know like from a competitive set he's shown like he can he can key off of people but i think before we start you know putting somebody into that like tier of rub land like we need to get them we need to get their their prs quicker right like 10ks and half marathon prs we just we just need the the turnover to be there first and maybe that's coming but i think he absolutely like big check mark today as far as like uh, uh, legit veteran sort of marathon moves. Like you proved your worth today for sure. And he was basically, you just think of that pack wasn't getting mentioned much because all the American attention is going to Albertson rightfully so, because he's leading the race and he, um, for a moment there, 
made people wonder, made people real, real curious. But then you get to the end and he's just hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And yeah, the gap, I mean, he was 135 back to, to Kiprutu, but he's less than a minute from second, third, and fourth, which included Ymir. So you have a 58-minute half marathoner. Benny's, what's his half marathon PB? 62.30. So that's got to give you a little bit of confidence. Your half marathon PB is four four minutes slower than a guy, and you're able to to stay back, you know, just just off of a minute. I wonder what the next, like, what, I guess you answered the question here with what's the next box for Machek. It's just dropping the P- PBs. And can there be another American there who can get, you know, the 210 was the barrier for a while. And then we saw, it was it Boston when, when Ward and, and Faba went through it, and then they had the Marathon Project, and you had a bunch of other people do it. I think it needs to be in that two, that 207 range now needs to be the next next objective, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, and that bar keeps going lower and lower, right? So it's like, okay, you can have the the strat check mark, right? You can mm-hmm. have that veteran yeah. sort of experience, but if you don't have XPR, like, can you be yep. a legitimate contender to win a major marathon? I think that PR is absolutely creeping towards sub 207 and maybe faster. And like, again, the, the amount of Americans that fall under that umbrella is very thin. Small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%, 100%. Uh, we got a comment in the chat from Anthony who says, uh, most impressive was Edna Kipler got today, second place at 41 years old. So what, let's talk about the women's race. Let's talk about the women's race right now. That took on different form it was a huge group throughout from the american perspective we found out ahead of time that molly huddle uh had scratched the race she's due to to she's expecting congrats to her and linden and Hase were the other two big name americans they were out of it relatively early on the american presence was led by by nell rojas who did did some leading in that big pack but Danny kipigoy made a move around 142 or so on the clock, about 18 miles. Uh, Gudetta of Ethiopia catches her. It looks to be a one-two battle. But then Edna Kiplagat, as I mentioned, you know, she's won three world marathon majors. She's won two world titles. She's always on the podium. She's been doing this for a decade, Alex. Sneaks back in, sneaks back in. She had been dropped. She closes the gap. She makes this thing real interesting. But but at the end there, it was, it was Kipyagoy getting the win. Uh, 224.45 to Kiplagat's 225.09. But just a model of consistency, Kiplagat. And now Kipigoy, a new name. This appeared to be, according to Tia her third, just her third marathon that she's finished in her career. She has a 222 PB. Overall, I'd say at the beginning of the women's race, I was... I was surprised to see how it just felt really like not aggressive at all. It felt like, mm-hmm. and, and that's not a knock on it on the on the women that were like up in the front. It's just like nobody, like really nobody, put the nails into to like to drive the pace. And mm-hmm. um, huge shout out to Nell Rojas. I mean, Rojas has been on a tear over the last few years. And quick shout out. I mean, even at the end. Like her coming into the straightaway, she was still moving mm-hmm. really strong. I mean, she was strong. Obviously, she was like feeling the lactic and like hurting, but she was not like it wasn't like she was brittle and falling apart. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. totally legit, Rojas. I think you know, putting planting the flag in, in the ground that you know her her performances and at the ten mile and grandmas like were were absolutely legit right now. Um, 
for the elite women, uh, for the front of the elite women, right? Um, mm-hmm. Keep your guy. I honestly thought she was gonna like fall off the handle. She made like a mm-hmm. move around twenty. She looked pretty rough, and I I'm really yeah, impressed yeah. with the way she rallied and came back. Because man, there was a moment in there that I was like, this whole front women's pack is like this race is not over, and she was faltering mm-hmm. and. You know, like Kiplagat's like on her heels, and like, and it was so great. Like, Kara kept kind of like throwing in the little seeds there. I was like, is she still in the mix? Is she still mm-hmm. there? She absolutely was. Huge shout out to like fighting back and and remaining dialed because that was such a strange way. The way like Kipyoge started to stretch it out, and then it kind of pulled back in. And I thought uh, again, I thought Kipyoge was going to falter for sure, held on for dear life, and finished really, really strong, and then. Yeah, and then Kip got 41 years old and um, absolutely smashing still uh, is incredible. <laughs> and, like, there's no reason to think that she's, I mean, finished really well in a in a solid, you know, major marathon today. No reason to think she's she's slowing down at all. So huge props to her. Um, other women in the field today, you know, I think we had um, uh, we had Dakota from, uh, from our, our friend from Minnesota. She also was a grandma's winner. She was up in the mix for a little bit there, smiling for like 15 straight miles with <laughs> some of the good camera time. She looked really strong, fell off a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, like you kicked off, Dez, Dez and, and, and Jordan didn't get to see them a, a ton today. And, I, you know, I thought it was interesting hearing, you know, Jordan, the, the storyline was kind of like Jordan was open about maybe not being in like her tip-top form. And I actually think yeah. this is pretty interesting that she still stepped to the to the line because I don't know if four years ago or three years ago Jordan would have stepped, you know, would have towed the line if she wasn't like, you know, ready, like felt like she was you know, at peak condition. And I think, yeah, um, yeah, just like shows some maturity there. And like it's it it's not like she won't, you know, hopping into a major marathon and not, you know, and being in the mix for a while. Like that's gonna push you forward. She didn't have a great day. But it's not like she didn't she didn't like earn anything out of today. I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. she still like stepped to the starting line, ran with the elite crew for a while, fell off. But it's still like a, it's still part of the the next training block, right? Brick by brick. And so I was impressed that she even you know towed the line today. Desi, yeah. I don't haven't heard the full story. I don't know if like if you have have any intel on the, from mm. the course, but um, yeah, I think she fell off within the. I mean, I think after 10K, I don't know if I saw Desi yeah. on, on the course. And um, yeah, I, I don't, there wasn't like the perfect race for a, for a Desi to, to shock people or, or like, I don't know what the strategy could have been for a Des win today. I don't think that mm-hmm. win was like, you know, on anybody's mind for, for Desi today. But um, yeah, I'd love to see where she actually ended up. Um, and then again, like, and then I'm excited to hear what like her next project will be. So 17th and 235.25, and she's still scheduled to run New York. So that's the plan. So she'll be racing again in less than a month. This is the this is the season is of multiple. Yeah, well, and if you look at how it started, it, it, it definitely could have been more of a struggle. She was open in the lead up too. I like the phase of this career for her where she just seems to be completely honest. And she's like, yeah, it wasn't the best buildup. <laughs> she's not going to go into those press conferences and just say, Hey, uh, everything's great. Everything's great. Expect a big day out of there. So yeah, the, the American group went, uh, let me see if I can get the, let me get the Americans here for, for the women. So we had Rojas, as we mentioned in sixth, 
Elena Such Tab a good day. in twelfth. Yeah, Tab in twelfth with a two thirty. Tab in twelfth. Dakota. Yes, Dakota Lindworm, who went to college in North Dakota, South Dakota. Do I have that right? I mean, her last name, her first name is Dakota. Aberdeen, so South great. Dakota. That's just great commitment. Great commitment to the Midwest. Uh, uh, Susanna Sullivan in sixteenth in two thirty two, and then Lyndon two thirty five ahead of Paige Stoner, uh, who was also two thirty five. So. Yeah, uh, Hase, I don't see on here. I I guess I could check to see if it was a, a DNF. But the way they were talking pre-race with Hase, it was almost the old adage, don't go for a home run. Just try to hit a single. Just try to get on base. Something solid. You don't need to go be the Hase from two or three years ago. Just, just run the race. Run the race. Complete it. George, uh, Gordon and I talked about what would be success for her coming in. I thought, well, if she can... Be the top American. We shouldn't need to contend with the international field. If she can be the top American, that would be a huge accomplishment. Or top two Americans, and uh, she wasn't able to do that. So again, she will try to figure out what's going on with with her new coach Pete Pete Julian because it like her rise in the marathon was super quick. Do you remember that? Hmm. It was right. stays on the track. She made a team, but she was a peripheral figure for a track for getting top three, 5K, 10K. It was tough for her. Then she goes to marathon and right away, it was the Hase of Oregon or the Hase of high school where she was just awesome at it. And you're like, oh, okay, this is her distance. She found her distance. Right. But I think it just as easily can go the other direction when you're struggling. She's obviously had a bunch of injuries, a bunch of coaching changes as well too. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's going to be a day where we almost forgot about Jordan and she's going to win like she, like she'll show up and like it, it, I mean, it happened. Had it happened at the end of her senior year when she made one of the the world teams? It was like we had almost mm -hmm. counted her out and forgotten about her, and then she has a big day, right? And that happened like you know when she came to the marathon. It was like, you know, just these pops, and we know that she's really strong. She's one of the fastest, you know, half marathoners ever. So she still has the chops, and she she still will have a really good day today. Doesn't sound like that. It was that day today. Um, but real quick, I just wanted to. If you you said that uh, Nell ended up six, is that correct? Final overall. Rojas was sixth. Yes, two. She set a PB two twenty seven twelve. I mean, before the days of Desi winning this race, sixth yeah. it was like yeah, yeah. It's such a good day for an American yeah, woman, yeah. and it just like shows you how far we've come, right? I mean, like, I, Kara almost won it, right? And then Desi finally won it. But, like, there's a whole host of years where we yeah, would have yeah. been raucous about an American female finishing, finishing sixth. So uh, I don't want that to go, to get swept under the rug. What a day for her. Yeah, and you're right. There was this whole, you know, and not, it wasn't just, it wasn't, I mean, Caster was amazing. But then there was a little bit, almost like a little bit of a break, right? And then it was Goucher and Flanagan and Amy Craig and Linda, you know, going all the way through Seidel most recently, where the American women were just a fixture in these races and they got in these lead packs. But there was a time before that where if Rojas was leading past halfway, the internet would have melted in america <laughs> exactly just, just like in america exactly. like is, is this gonna be it? is this gonna be it and 
because Lyndon broke the streak and because Flanagan did what she did and all, all these other women recently have, it's, it reminds me mid distance on the track or even 15 to five on the track, 15 to 10 on the track. You, you remember those days. You're not that, you're not that. Yeah, young, and then Alex. Jenny happened, right? Yeah, Jenny happened. Shannon Roberry happened, and Evan Jager yeah. happened, and 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 yeah. Manzano happened. But there was a time when if an American got f- second in a Diamond League five thousand, that would be all anybody talked about in distance running for a month. And now it's like, right. oh, good race, good race. Can they make the yeah. team? <laughs> yeah. Like the the expectations have changed so dramatically in in the past decade now, and you're. Your point is well taken. Someone in, let's see, Laura in the chat says uh, 35th for Hase and 33rd for Flanagan, if I have that correct. I'm going to try to look that up. Um, wow. Because, Fl- so Flanagan got, let's see. So Flanagan ran, oh my goodness, Alex. She was 246 at Chicago and then dropped to 240 today. <laughs> she ran 240? That's, oh, that's what it my says. gosh. That is crazy. That yeah. That is crazy. I mean, what two forty is like? I don't know, six ten, six oh five, six ten, something like that. I mean, that is coming right off of Chicago too. That is. I mean, I thought today probably would have been the hardest day just because she had to go back to back, right? And with the hills, mm-hmm. especially the downhills of the early parts of Boston. I mean, oh, that is wild. Thirty fifth over, or yeah, like thirty. If that's right, thanks, Laura. Thirty third. Thirty thirty third overall and she started in you know like men's wave or like overall wave one right right right. that's amazing (laughs) that's amazing and hasay did finish again thanks to laura in 35th she ran 241 43 so her last three marathon you know she had the two the 230 high 230s last year worth um what was it oh obviously Mm -hmm. trials and then valencia and then now the, the 240. So she's obviously, she's made no bones about it. She's not going to be happy with that, that performance. That's not a controversial position to take. But yeah, so she had 237 in Atlanta, 233.51 in Valencia. And now the, now the 241. But um, yeah, Flanagan. Interesting. So she, I wonder if she wants Flan- to take one more shot, Hase, because Worlds and Eugene, I'm just going to say yeah, that, like, yeah. imagine this. Worlds and Eugene yeah, yeah. next summer. Like Hase having a good day on the streets of Eugene, like mm-hmm. that would cause a riot in Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So I would you know, like maybe she'll take another shot so she has like a you know more solid, you know, seed time to be selected for the team and things like that. So uh, I, I would love to to see that to come to fruition because that would be that would be a party. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an interesting story to follow too because normally you got a lot of people skipping this race, but world champs that is because of the bigger paydays and it's just not seen as as prestigious as the olympics but the fact that it's in olympic in in eugene does rupp run it it would seem to be that he would want to run it because you i mean other than putting it in portland uh, like through his neighborhood there's probably no more significant spot to put it for galen rupp than in eugene but you're right all that all those selections are are done via time so you got to get into a fast race you got to get into a fast race um, assuming that that's, that's the process that, that they use. Rupp obviously is free and clear, but uh, Hase a little bit more, more difficult. Uh, any last thoughts on the women's side before we talk about Chicago? 
Not really off the top. Oh, can we quick talk about I, the the one thing that we haven't chatted about? The wheelchair mm. race. The misturn. Yes. By the, the male. Brutal. I mean, he missed the final turn on the Hurstford and misses the record by, I don't know, eight seconds or so. I mean, he blasts yeah, past it. it, stops, turns around, and has to finish. I mean, I think I saw a tweet out there that he missed a, a fifty grand, a $50,000 payday for breaking the course record. Yeah. That is the most crippling, devastating mistake I've ever happened on live television. That was absolutely brutal. Brutal. 50K. 50K for the uh, course record <laughs> bonus there. What do you th- before we go on to Chicago though, because uh, Flanagan is the the tie that binds these two things together here. Mm-hmm. What have you thought of her her attempt? She's got two to go. She's going to run one virtually because Tokyo got canceled, and she was very committed to this. She was very committed to running six marathons, and then she's got New York. To me, there's no doubt that she's going to be able to do it. The fact that you could go this was the hardest one. This is the hardest one, and she goes faster than she did in Chicago. I can't believe she ran two forty. I can't believe, I mean, I, if you were going to be like over under 245, I would have taken the over. And she ran mm-hmm. 240 today. i shocked. I mean, I shouldn't be shocked because it's Shalane. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so impressed. And it was funny. I think she even put up on Instagram last night. <laughs> it was like a picture of her in an ice bath. It was like, can't believe I'm, I'm taking an ice bath. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like... It's not, it's not sexy, right? It's like, yep, go straight to the plane, like go finish, go like straight to the airport, fly to Boston, like take an ice bath. Like she's in the thick of it. That is not easy. I mean, if she can go, if she can throw down another sub 245 this fall, that would be mind, mind blowing. And there's no, I mean, based on today, she ran 240. I guess the question is like, how fast will she run? Like, is there, could she run fast? Like, did, has she run her fastest marathon yet this fall? I, okay, so here's what I think is going to happen. New York's tough. New York's a tough course, so it's tough to go last. But Absolutely. Here's what I think. Here's what I think could happen. That's not till Sunday, November seventh. So I think your goal was to go sub three on all of them. You're going to do one virtually before New York. So that one, there's no glory in smashing a, a two forty in that. So you take that so easy. You go two fifty nine, fifty on that one you save everything you can then you call new york and you say hey new york i know my plan early on was just to run sub three but i want in on the elite wave put me in the elite women's field for this last one i love it and let me just see what i can do let me see what i can do can you imagine finding it with two weeks rest now she's had 12 hours rest and she runs a like why wouldn't we like okay wait why wouldn't we be putting her in the elite women's wave at this point Right, like I'm, I'm just, I'm honestly curious. Like, does she prefer to start with the mass? Is that, is that better? Like, I, I, like if you're running 240 and you finished 30th in, in the top 30 at Boston Marathon two Got weeks it. prior, like, why would you not be put into the elite wave at New York City? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's more uh, her choice. I mean, she could, she could have said, "I'm gonna try to run four hours," and it's Shalane Flanning, and you, you put her in the elite, you put her yeah, in the elite field. She talked about at Berlin, or sorry, London, getting caught up and going too fast and then slowing down at the end. And that one was, you know, she ended up still running 235 with that one. But for a while, she was on 231 pace. But I think she's 
demonstrating something very interesting just from a sports science perspective about how often people could now Shalane Flanagan is a, a a tremendous outlier here. I'm not saying everybody can be like Shalane Flanagan, but we've always wondered, hey, how good are these top marathoners? How good would they be at ultras? Or how would how good would a marathoner be if they raced not going full Yuki Kauchi and running 10 marathons a year? But what if they did four a year, five a year? And we've seen people like Sarah Hall do it as well. I think Flanagan's doing a very interesting experiment here about what's uh what's actually possible because these are way faster than I thought. And she's technically retired too. So this isn't even, this isn't even, you know, Flanagan at full, full go here. Right. Right. Uh, real quick before we hop off. Yes, guys, we will give, we'll give a shout out to, to Elena uh, before we jump over to Chicago. Uh, Elena Tab, formerly Elena Bolaris, uh, uh, William and Mary grad with, with the BAA, uh, working out with BAA for the last few years. It, I think it's um I think it's awesome to see, especially when it's a BAA athlete, do really well on the Boston Marathon course. It's it's like I don't feel like we've gotten to see like that moment. And I think this is I wonder if this is the best an actual like BAA elite athlete has done on the Boston Marathon course. It's mm -hmm. in a while. Um so to see the actual yeah. unicorn come across in like that like top ten spot, like I bet that was pretty fun. And I bet it was really fun for Elena to like be rocking the BAA kit. Uh, and be towards the front of that pack, pack and uh, having the Boston crowd cheering around. I bet that was quite the moment. Yeah. Two, uh, 230, 230, 33 for, for Tab. So great run. Yeah, second, second American in a field that had a lot of big names. And even though there was a lot of confusion about what this fall would look like because of the overload of marathon majors, I don't think most people would have had Rojas and Tab being the top two Americans coming into Exactly coming into this weekend, but that is what happened. Let's jump over to Chicago. I got some questions for you, Alex. Here we go. Yep. Ready? Uh, let's start Ready. first with the, let's start first with the women's race. So you had Ruth Chepengegich, who was the number one seed by a huge amount. She had 217 PB. She went out, perhaps she was the inspiration for CJ Albertson because she went out at 211 pace. <laughs> uh, and then completely cratered she ran basically 67 30 and then 75 as her two splits we talked about going in how big of a favorite she was if you're that big like could she have tried like what else could she have done to potentially risk losing that race more <laughs> i mean <laughs> the, i guess you wanted to go for the world record and that's a cool right it's good to, it's good it's okay to do it there because you have this bigger buffer the only way she loses this race is if something horribly goes wrong and you just screw up the pacing and she goes out in 211 pace the first 5k yeah i know it, it was it was almost like okay you were the clear favorite mm -hmm. here's what you need to like here are the splits you need to hit to stay on world record pace and here's right. when you should pull the plug if that doesn't feel good Right. Like, I don't know if it was like, I'm going to try to go for it as long. Like, I'm going to try to stay on that pace as long as I can. And then if I can't, I'll yeah. pull the plug. Did she pull the plug when her pacer was like, I'm out. This is. This the pacer is, was like, I don't want any more. Like, I want no. Like I mean, can you. Like, you that's so hard. That. How. How. Okay. 211 pace. That is so. Yeah. There are so few people who could run that. There are even yeah. less people 
who can confidently say, yes, yeah. I can lead you through this, that pace at this time. Like there are so few, so I'm, I'm trying not, I'm trying to give like a little grace to the pacer here because that was insane. No, it, and like the ability to even do that, like is yeah. so, there's so few people who can even do that. I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> was there an A and a B plan, right? It didn't seem like I don't it. know. It was like, well, I'm going to blast and I'm going to win it anyway. Because she was not worried about anyone coming back on her, no matter what. If she yeah. was, she wouldn't have continued to blast for that long. Forcing your pacer to quit at 10 miles is a really big flex, in my opinion. <laughs> Just basically saying, you're here to help me and you're going to quit because I'm going to make this too hard. I don't think... Because she was hurting towards the end. There was no. definitely moments when she looked vulnerable. Now, the winning margin ended up being uh, solid over Emma Bates, who we'll talk about in a second, a minute, 49 seconds. But if you look at the halfway, I mean, she was just she was just crushing it. The closest person to her was Vivian Kiplagat, who was a late ad. But then Sarah Hall was four minutes back. You know, Emma Bates was almost five minutes back. So she took three minutes off her on the second half that that can't I think it was hey you, I feel like I'm in world record shape but there's a 214 is already an outlier and then you're gonna go out and I know Chicago the winds and you were catching it at the back and it was hot and all that other stuff but I'm sorry 211 pace 211 pace I, I know I it was like when they announced it yesterday and when Paul said it, I was like I'm sorry, what did he just say? Like, no, that, that cannot be. Uh, you know what? I had a similar reaction today. Like you said, when they said CJ is out in 202 pace, I was like, that can't yeah, be yeah. right. They definitely didn't yeah, just yeah. say 202. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, the the barriers that have been like smashed from the like women's times perspective, yeah. I mean, across the board, right? Uh, in marathoning and half marathoning, our perceptions are like, okay, like, our perceptions of of splits are so skewed now from a, from yeah. some of these races that we almost like sometimes we forget that there are, there are races out there like a Chicago that are tactical, <laughs> and it's like yeah we've gotten it's like we were in this lane for the last two and a half years of like okay we're you know we're doing all these we're doing all these like you know sub two races and we're like building up all these races to just run crazy yeah. fast and break these records and we're doing these product launches and these like you know singular races yeah. out in the backwoods of Oregon that like we've started to yeah. lose sight of like what typical marathoning is and it's almost mm -hmm. like she she was on that she was along for that ride yesterday too uh it did yeah. come by, back to bite her a little bit but i mean to crater that hard and use you use your word crater to crater that hard and still win by that much is insane is insane yeah. to be like in the hurt locker for that long and still win for that by that much is incredible yeah and li listen for her i mean the difference between winning in 222 and winning in 220 is probably not that huge it's worth the risk it's worth it to go for it but when we were doing the London Marathon live show, Kathleen Dennehy was talking about how you know Kip, everybody's taking Kip Choge's "No Human Is Limited" to it's very, 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 very extreme, and we're now seeing the results because right. this has been the theme. This has been the theme all fall. I mean, look at how fast they went out in in Berlin, and then no one ends up breaking two hundred five on the men's side. London, they were more cautious, but there's just people just taking these massive, massive swings. And I think we would ordinarily laugh 
when we hear they're going out at 211 pace. And I bet you did, Alex. I bet you laughed. But I bet there was a tiny part of your brain where you're like, really? Maybe? Possibly? Like, this is the marathon. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Because of what's happening. Yeah. The the last few years have, like, again, torn down the walls of, like, our our initial perception. Like, to the point of, like, they'll come through 5Ks and 10Ks. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like cross country now. Right, where you like yeah. hear splits and you're like, ah, oh, is that good? I don't know anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. yeah, it's broken insane. our brains. Yeah, our brains uh, are officially broken ins- when it comes to marathon splits. There's no way to conceptualize. <laughs> they don't matter anymore. There, yeah, there's no rules. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, sh- I mean, I would love to hear the information that Sarah and Emma were getting, you know, in the background, mm-hmm. um, because that'd be. It'd be so hard to hear that somebody went out at 211 pace and has gapped you by so much. But yeah. then, like, in like, and who knows, like, if they got insights about, you know, what the gap was to the leader as they came through, you know, halfway and, like, 20K or whatever. But, like, you're, like, trying mm-hmm. to do the math, and you're like, I think she's coming back to me. But, like, I almost shut down the even like the idea of pulling her back when I heard she went out in yeah. 211 pace. You know, and yeah. so then, like Emma and like Emma and Sarah are just in this complete kind of wormhole of like they have no perception of like where they are in the race, right? There's a bunch of ma- like you know, there's a bunch of males right in front of them too. They're like, what yeah. is like a tough way to run that race? And like I'm, I wish I could have seen more <laughs> of that narrative mm-hmm. unfold with Emma yeah. and Sarah. We didn't get to see a lot of it, unfortunately, with the coverage. Um, I'm just so curious, like, and I'd love to just like. Yeah, like ask Ryan, Ryan Hall, be like, what did you know about what was going on in front of you? Because, God, it's such a hard way to run a race. Just be totally blind. And then, surprise, you're top three. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I mean, Bates ran solid. She was 1-12-27 at halfway and then 2-24-30. So that was a phenomenal race for her. I know she's training now. I know she's training now with with Joe Boshard, who apparently can coach anybody in any event at any point in their like. If you need him for life coaching, I think he'd be great at that too. Like, there's no cranberry like, Colorado life coaching. Yeah, his, the, the Rocky struggled this year. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I've seen the I've seen the post on Instagram, but like the Rockies are struggling in Major League Baseball. Maybe maybe pitching coach hmm. on the side for Joe Boshard can get them to to up their up their game a little bit because what he's doing is phenomenal, but. As far as Bates, you know, Hall, con- contrasting the Hall and Bates races here. So Hall was talking early on uh, in the lead up. Hey, American record. I know it was windy and it was a little warmer. So that went by the wayside. She had pacers for this race. Bates didn't. And it's it's always weird when you have the men and women together in these sorts of setups, right? It gets really confusing. Uh, obviously, we talked about Chepnegic already having one pacer. And the pacer putting in his two weeks, like they didn't even put in his two weeks. He just he's like, I'm hey, I'm out of here. I'm, that was yeah. the uh, he didn't even make it through the onboarding session. Yeah, he was. He didn't talk to HR. He just said, I'm out. I'm out. Bye. Here's your laptop. See ya. Never doing this again. I'll pace for anybody, not her. But but Hall and so so Hall was cruising along with three pacers. Bates didn't have that, and she was just clicking it off, clicking it off, clicking it off. We knew that a second place was possible in this field just because after Chep Negic, there was going to be this big gap. But what did you what did you think of Emma Bates's run here? 
Uh, I, so solid. So, I mean, what also was impressive is like, and I, I hate to talk about rabbits too much here, and I don't want to talk about performances of males compared to the females, but I was also like noticing that Sarah's male pacers were like literally right in front of her, even into the last inches of yeah. like, the race, and to find, and I don't know, they're all wearing Aces kicks, kit, kits. I don't know who the dudes were, but like, again, to find two guys who can like, confidently lead you through uh you know two two twenty five to two thirty pace like that is not yeah. easy like who who are these people <laughs> but yeah so kudos to them um but one thing i wanted to shout is what's interesting about bates too is how again you call out her splits so even and so so um like so like dialed and disciplined and she just looks really strong too, right? And I, I think I saw an Instagram video that Emma Coburn put out, and it was just of Emma coming by, and dude, so strong and solid still. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm so, it, it's really impressive because I think there used to be this adage of, you know, like it's a war of attrition towards the end of a marathon. Mm -hmm. Where Emma does not feel like that, you know, whether it was at CIM or her last Chicago race, like it doesn't feel like mm. she's just holding it together and just trying to like get over the line before she falls apart. It's like she's very yeah. solid still and very strong. So and so I'm st stoked to see that, and I think it represents some longevity um, and some yeah, like really cool opportunities for for Emma moving forward. Um, you know, will, will Emma will Emma uh, Bates be on the trail soon? I don't know. I'll start that seed, that seed room. I want to see if Joe can coach trail runners. So I'm putting that seed out there. So Bates, Bates is going to be one. I think she's setting herself up to be one of the top American. I mean, she already is one of the top Americans, but I think she can make a move for that, that top three spot uh, right now, because you, we, we talked about to say, we talked about all the women in Boston, right? Obviously she out, outran mm -hmm. that group in Boston. Sisson is banged up. Right. Um, we'll see what how Molly Seidel runs. She's been on fire of late. But if you go back to the trials, so this was the trials group, right? Julie mm -hmm. Muck, Seidel, Kipiego, Linden, Thweet, Bruce, Bates, Taylor, Rojas. Then you want if you want to go down d for the bigger names, Kira D'Amato, who just ran really well in Chicago to 15th, and then Hase in in 26. Now obviously Huddle and Sisson dropped out, but that race kind of held form. Like the people we thought, mm -hmm. with, with the exception of now, a lot of people had, probably me, had like Huddle, Hase, and Sisson, one, two, three, and either, you know, they, they were non-factors, but, you know, Linden was there, and, and Tulimuk was there, and, and Seidel obviously was a surprise, but those were the people mm. uh, that, that people had at least speculated about being there. Like, people thought Bates had a chance. I think since that race, Alex, I think her stock, with the exception of Seidel, right, uh, has, has, has improved the most, so I think she's going to be one, she's going to be a problem to deal with in the in the in the next couple of years uh, agree and i'm almost going to contradict myself from the men's conversation where it was like hey colin benny has to run faster on the track before we you know crown yeah. him as the next tier and i i don't know why but for whatever reason like i don't see some of these women who have like proven themselves on on the roads that don't have the pbs like i don't i can't even imagine a world in which they like start chasing 10k pbs like i don't see I don't see Emma like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, hop into Prefontaine and see how fast I can run a 10k. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's funny because I, I, I just, I don't see a world where they chase that. 
Um, but that being said, like the the women that you rattled off was your like your typical what you yeah. know that was kind of like the assumed best top tier, the huddles, yeah. the Hasses, the Sissons, right? And it's like we think yeah. that why? Because they're track PVs, like their track PVs are mm -hmm. amazing, right? And they're super solid. But I don't know why, like I'm comfortable pushing putting Emma into this tier without maybe those super sexy, you know, track PRs. And I can't I can't you've reason seen why I'm doing that is and that might be it too. Right. We've proven yeah. that you on the women's side, they've proven that you don't need that to like have success at a major yeah. marathon. Right. You, if yeah. you can race strategically, you can, you can like battle in tough conditions, Molly, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Emma Bates, um, you mm -hmm. can win stuff. Like you can be on podiums. You can make a lot of money placing in the top five at all these major marathons and you don't have to, you know, spread yourself across a smattering of, you know, random spring 10Ks and 5Ks to prove yourself. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, anything else on the women's race before we'll touch on the Chicago men's field? I, I mean, I mentioned D'Amato was right behind Hall and Forrest. You're in 228. Um, and then Vivian Kiplicott, who had a positive split for the ages here, Alex. She went out, I mean, 108.50 and then finished in 229. Ooh. So do that math, 108. So Ooh. she was on 216 pace and then ran 229. That really hurts. I think D'Amato was solid. And I think D'Amato can get into that tier, I think, mm. in the future. I mean, now now she's running with these expectations, just like she started to run with the expectations yeah. in the latter, latter part of the track season. So for her, you know, it's a solid effort. Uh, I don't think – I think she still has more to give at this distance, but I think she can be happy with that. And then she'll have some decisions to make in the in the springtime between marathons and five and tens. Yeah, I, I I was pretty impressed. You know, I think you know her trajectory. She was like on this awesome moment, like swing. And then I, you know, like she, she got signed right, and then all of a sudden yeah. she was hurt, no trials, and it was like, okay, like where is this going to go? And she comes back and and proves her clout. I mean, she again, she finished right behind Emma and, and Sarah, so it's like. Yeah. I don't know what else, you know, what a better day could have been from her. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, we do probably need um, a longer resume from her before we like put her in that top tier. But hey, mm -hmm. check definitely check the box, uh, Chicago. So so props to her from coming off an injury and and showing up. So we go now to to the men's side of things, where uh, Seifutura got the win, two oh six twelve. It was a pretty entertaining race. It had. Six or seven lead guys up there. Then all of a sudden it dropped down to three and it was Tura, Galen Rupp, and Eric Kiptanui. Tura looked around a lot, looked at his watch more than I do on my first run back after uh, a self-imposed two-week vacation. Uh, but but maybe they were all deeks. Maybe he was just faking everybody out, trying to look like he was really tired because he ran away from Rupp there uh, over the final miles and and ended up winning. The final margin was 23 seconds, 206.12 to 206.35. Rupp missed his PB, but pretty, pretty solid. I mean, this is uh this field didn't have the best of the best of the best of the best of the best in it, but it still had a lot of guys 204, 205, 206. My first reactions here are uh, that that battle at the end. I mean, to have Rupp. Over your shoulder, you talked about the amount of times he was looking at his watch, right? And and deking yeah. and looking over his shoulder, like, hey, 
it's not a lot of it's not often that there is a 10k olympic medalist on your yeah. heels for the last 5k of a marathon like think about how brutal it is to be hunted like that for that long with a guy who has two olympic medals in his back pocket right and so yeah. huge props for holding on to the win uh, I, in, extremely impressive he was like running on the wrong side of the road for a while and like you know i i think he was really grasping at straws and panicking but he still held on and held off rub <laughs> so you got to give props there um rub i mean yeah sure he maybe he didn't win and maybe wasn't the most like loaded field but to have another really solid day like he's won chicago right like yeah to have perfect days multiple times at the same marathon is mm -hmm. so it's basically impossible right so for him to have really really great days a first and a second like dude props and yeah. look i'm not gonna be like people will will, will call it like people you know galen fanboys and things like this but you have to appreciate the consistency here it's incredible the dude i mean he just ran the olympics and had a solid mm -hmm. day at the olympics too right so yeah. it's like as far as like being the lead dog as American male distance runners, like what more do you want from that? I mean, yeah, maybe mm -hmm. there was a scenario where he could have won Chicago, mm -hmm. but again, like having two really, really strong days on the same course yeah. like within a few years is basically impossible. He did it and he's doing it when now where like he can't, he's not like, he can't really hide, right? Like people are no Galen. Yeah. It used to be like, yeah. You know, I think I remember Galen's first couple major marathons after his Olympic, after his Olympics. And it was like, dudes barely knew him, right? So they weren't even like factoring him in to their calculations. But now, again, like over the last three miles, that's why he was looking, that's why you're looking over your shoulder a thousand times is because you know how okay. strong Galen is. And I, you yeah. know, what else do we want from him? Again, I want him on the, the roads of Eugene next summer. I think that'd be insane. Uh, Taylor's mm -hmm. might explode. Uh, the wild duck might explode <laughs> if uh, if Galen Rupp is is got a bib on his chest and he's running on the streets of Eugene. I mean, he's at the point in his career now where running two hundred six as you get older is a really impressive feat, right? And he's run the marathon enough to where you're not just going to make leaps just based on experience because you see usually everyone has has that opportunity where okay from one to two or from two to three or something oh it clicks now i get the feeling down or i got the pacing down he seems to have tapped all that out so the fact that he can still mm -hmm. stay at 206 as he gets older and as he doesn't have those advantages of making that big jump i think it's impressive the problem is his problem is two things one expectations because he's won one before and he's won an olympic medal people are judging him and rightfully so on winning an olympic medals and two he's just running against this endless stream of 204 205 203 202 guys that's never seeming to stop we talked about how the fall marathons have been slower this year than maybe we anticipated so far but you're still getting winners in 205s and 206s which is quicker than his pb so Assuming that doesn't slow down, he's either going to win another one. He's either going to need to run faster than he has before or catch a field on a weird day or a weird strategic situation. I'll, you know, maybe it's like a Meb in, in Boston where there's this big, bold move and he 
outmaneuvers, you know, makes a big strategic decision uh, to get the win because there just does the marathon, although at the at the front has been a bit slower this year, the depth is still there. And 206 does not separate you from anybody anymore. No, I'm, I, I'm wondering, let's imagine you talk about Galen winning in a certain situation, right? Let's say he's in a Boston today. Like, what, 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 how would a Galen run today if he was in that pack behind CJ? Yeah, you know, that's a good with, question. I, I, you know, yeah. I'm really curious because that I'm, I'm kind of like, well, gosh, that's that actually might have been an ideal, ideal situation for him. You know, if mm-hmm. he could just chill and sit behind a couple guys until mile 20, and then it's like, all right, let's see who's got the yeah. best 10K wheels here. Um, yeah. And so, the problem there yeah, is, I though, think, again, you do all that though, and you're one of fifteen, with thirty k exactly. to go, and, you're, and you're, your odds and are just tough. There's still a guy in there who can throw down like a four twenty mile, and at the end of yeah, Maryland, run fourteen zero, like, run fourteen zero. Um, exactly. That's so wild. Yeah. Again, I I did not expect Galen more from Galen yesterday. Uh, that that that's where I'm at. If he would have been outside like the yeah. top five, I would have been like. Yeah, kind of a dis- disappointing day for Galen, but yeah, I that was not yeah that was a absolutely like a, a, a good day I would say. Yeah, I was, I was that was on the high end. Like to me, if he won, you could go and reverse engineer it and be like, well, of course he won. A lot of these guys aren't that proven, and he's experienced on the course. But he and he was reversing a little bit of a trend here because Olympics wasn't great, and I know he ran. His Travis performance, I think, is underrated because it's just assumed that he destroys all these American fields. But that weather was terrible in Atlanta. That course was hard in Atlanta, and he just blew everybody out and did it looking so comfortably. So it's not as if he's been in the wilderness for four years or something, and this was his his comeback race. Like 2020 at the beginning was pretty good, and then everything got scuttled. Olympics wasn't good. But a lot of people had much worse Olympic races. The fact that he got to the finish line and was in the mix for a decent portion of that race, that's fine. You could just say, hey, you know, I didn't deal with the heat very well over the last – I needed more hats. I did not have enough cooled hats to, to finish. Uh, that's, that's still a solid race. But I think this is on the, on the good end. But to go and add to his resume, I think he's going to need wins at this point in his career because he's had a win before. And it's, it's going to be interesting to track it, how he, what's the best route to get that win. I got one more question though for you, and we'll, we close it out on this. I'm curious, how long do you think we will go with Rupp being the best American men's marathoner? Give me a year. When does it stop? I like the dramatic exhale. That's good for those who are listening and not watching later on. That's good. Because they were like, hey, did it cut out? (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, at least two. At least two. At least two more years. At least through next year and probably the next. I mean, name me the person that's on the cusp of being being as good. I can't. That's why I'm going to go even longer. I say at least through You're 2024. Go yeah. Who's, who's beating him in the 2024 Olympic trials in the marathon? Like, like we could play, absolutely play this game, right? Okay, it's like, yeah. you're forgetting about Jared Ward. You're forgetting about XYZ, right? Yeah. And I, I want those things to be true. 
I want those things, you know what I mean? Like, I want that next want competition. tier to be on his... Yeah, like, I want there to be like, oh, is there a challenger to the throne? But, guys, we are not there yet. <laughs> I don't... No. I, and we're... Unless you're like, guess what? Tomorrow, Paul Chalimo is a marathoner. Then I'll go, mm -hmm. huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can... Maybe we have yeah. a challenger for 2024. And maybe that's it. Maybe the team in 2024 is Rupp, Chilino, sorry, Rupp, Chilimo, Joe Klecker. Yeah. Shots fired. There it is. Alex, make his prediction right now. Plenty of flag in the ground is predicting two people who are not even marathon runners. Marathon. <laughs> but, I, but you're uh, right. But I think that's, what we, I, again, the, that yeah. category doesn't exist yet. So that's why I'm pulling from other categories. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got to go to the bullpen, and it's not a knock on Jared Ward. I love the guy. I think he still has a couple really, really great races in him. C.J. Albertson had an awesome race today, and I think yes, he is absolutely in the next tier. But Galen is so far ahead of everybody still. His times, yeah. his accolades, his resume—it's not even close yet. And mm -hmm. we desperately need new narratives. And like this is one other thing I maybe wanted to just before we close out. Like I'm rooting for Do more narratives. In, in in the American running landscape, right? Like okay. we need another, yesterday we had, the narratives were Shalane and Sarah Hall, right? And today we're talking about Desi and Jordan and like we had Kara on the broadcast, right? So like that has been a narrative and those women are incredible and they've done a ton for our sport, but like, we have been telling that story for a really long time and it's up to us to continue like telling that story but we need some we need some newness right and that's why that's why the molly Seidel moment was so much fun right it was this unexpected thing that we were literally pulled along that ride in tokyo and we saw this like unexpected moment that we a story that we have yet to tell right and i know that's what i'm really rooting for here right and when you look on the men's side it's even more narrow, right? So what's this? Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons I was so excited about CJ today. It's like, great, we get to talk about something new, right? We're not reliant on, you know, this the the vet coming on up to the start line, right? It's yeah. rep. We're still talking about like you know Meb moments, and those moments were amazing. But you guys, like, yeah. <laughs> we need new narratives. And what the next male narrative is, I don't know, but hey, I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready to see yeah. somebody knock one out of the park. Maybe it's a fobble. <laughs> Maybe it's Ward coming back. Maybe it's I don't even know how Parker Stinson ended up today, but like I'm ready for it. And um, like we need to find those opportunities to like pull those guys in. I think some of these smaller races, like okay, the marathon project, right? It was like okay, yes, mm -hmm. this, this is like maybe a bridge, a gap to get some of the younger marathoners onto the road or some of the tracksters onto the road sooner. I think we need to embrace yeah. that. So again, like yeah. for now it's, it's still the rub show until proven otherwise. Yeah. And I think part of it is you got two opportunities to race here, maybe more. And then you run great in one, everyone gets hyped for the next race and then you don't have a great race. And then you're wondering, Hey, is this person the next thing? And then you're just, it's not like track where you get all sorts of feedback and you get to get familiar with them and you get a better baseline because you might be able to have a great day in one race 
on the track in the 15 or the 400 or the hurdles or the, or the 5k, but you're going to race enough that season to where we get a good gauge of, okay, this is the next person marathon. It's, it's much tougher. Um, so hold on, before we go, I just saw this tweet from John, John Galt. Uh, he says that Benson Kiprutu had no idea that Albertson had a two minute lead. He said he didn't realize Albertson was leading until they caught him. No, so that might explain that might explain why they were so conservative trying to catch him. Didn't know he was out there. Absolutely does. What did he think he was? I'm so interested. I'm so interested to be like, <laughs> I saw a guy in a neon jersey running away, but I thought he was a novelty. Maybe he was back. Like, what did you... Maybe it was obs- well, he got away so quickly, though. He had a minute lead at 5K. Maybe Benson was, maybe other people in the pack knew, but Benson's view was obstructed. And you know how marathons are. You've started three of them. You finished yeah. two of them. Your your mind gets scrambled a bit out there. Like you, that was a, your mind that can was play tricks on you. Yeah, yeah. Or you're just like, hey, did I see things? Maybe we passed him. Do we not pass him? Because we've been going hard now for 5K and I haven't seen him. Like it's, that's totally plausible to me that with totally. all the stuff yeah, that's going around total it, sense. that you wouldn't notice. Yeah, that was amazing. All oh, right. Wow. Well, I hope everybody cho- enjoyed the uh, the two marathons back-to-back at the World Marathon Majors. Um, probably everybody except for Ruth, Chep, and Gegich's pacer had a good time. Um, and to him, I say, come on the pod. I would love to have him on the pod and talk shop with them. Uh, Alex, this was great. Thank you for uh, coming on. You can go back to your vacation now. This was terrific. Uh, we thank Thanks our for producer. The bullpen. This is great. This is You are awesome. You came on fire. This is good, Alex. Thanks, guys. I mean, all Alex is good, Alex. This is great, Alex. This is South Dakota, Alex. This may not even Minnesota, Alex. Thanks to Colt for producing. Thanks to Alex Lore, pinch hitter extraordinaire. Uh, Gordon, I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll see you guys then. Thanks, guys.